The world is weird. Existing is weird. Magic is weird. This is a place for a witch to ramble about her personal experiences, opinions, and what you want to hear. Welcome to Weird Witch Talks. Hello, everybody. No, I am not dead. No, the podcast is not over. I've just had one hell of a fall, and I'm looking to have one hell of a winter. Uh, this is my last day of school, college, this year. The last. This is my last day of my semester. God, yeah, this is where I am right now. I'm not really talking or acting like a human. Um, yeah, this is my last class day of the semester. I am cramming for a test that I should have taken over a month ago, and I'm essentially waiting for the verdict of my grades to come in. So while I do that, I figured I would record an episode that I've been meaning to make for a long, long time. And for a long, long time, I mean like literally every single month, they, for the past month, I've been sitting down going, I should record a podcast. This is the topic. And then not doing it. I don't have a script. I'm mostly going to be speaking from personal experience. So... This might be a little strange format-wise. This is less a research episode and more a, this is a thing I observe. Let's talk about it, shall we? So, uh, I live in a town. A lot of you do. (laughs) Some of you live in the middle of nowhere. I don't discount that. Some of you live in villages. Some of you live in cities. I technically live in a city. But I live in a city with a very small town vibe. I'm a Texan, and there's a lot of cities like this in the state huge things that used to be, like, town towns that sprawled. And one thing that fascinates me about these places is they almost always have some kind of really cool local cryptid. And I have one that some of you may have seen on BuzzFeed Unsolved uh, called Goatman. So the story of Goatman, from word of mouth, goes as follows. There are two versions, but they essentially follow the same format. Um, The bridge that he lives under allegedly, was the site of a lynching of a man who was a goat farmer, a black man, a lynching by the KKK. And he was lynched and horribly murdered and haunts the bridge to this day. That's one version of the story. Another version is long, long before the bridge was built, uh, a Cajun, uh, I believe, mixed-race black man was beheaded and his body fell into the creek and it emerged with a goat head on it. Now, neither of these accounts has any kind of historical backup. Uh, Not to say they couldn't have happened, but based on my own experiences, I don't think Goatman is the ghost of a dead person. At least in part because as an anthropologist and a folklorist with a partner who is a political historian, I personally really, really like to see any kind of source on these kinds of legends, but there is no death record, no mention of a prominent goat farmer in the area by the local black community. Um, As far as we can tell, neither of these people actually existed, and that doesn't mean the stories don't carry any weight, but it is worth knowing. I'm approaching this from a background of there are no historical records of these things, therefore let us assume that As with many local legends, they are the product of assumption. And that assumption is largely from a Christian audience. That actually really matters right here, because I personally think that Goatman, the satyr-like demon creature, he's not a demon, the satyr-like nightmare, 
essentially, is a small god. Now, what is a small god? That's a term that I'm sure a lot of you aren't going to be familiar with, and some of you are, so let's define it just for fun's sake. So, a small god is a god, spirit, entity, what have you, who has the properties of being something divine, but is not a major player in a pantheon. Like, Dionysus is a large god, and your local, your genius loci, the, the god of a place, is a small god. Small gods also tend to transcend pantheons a whole lot. Like, your genius loci doesn't give a shit. If you're Christian, Muslim, Hellenic, Kemetic, it's still there. It's, it's not going to move house because you person talking to it or worshipping it has a different faith. Most most small gods don't have much attachment to a pantheon, and if they do, the pantheon they're attached to has some kind of local attachment. Like, a lot of the small gods in Norway have something to do with the Norse faith, because that faith grew up in Norway, and when a religion permeates an area in that way, the faith kind of, you know, shapes the way the small gods act, look, because that is the social structure of the area. It's the same with any kind of culture. Gods and spirits have culture. They, they just do. I mean, if that could be a recognized study and we could get more things recognized, like magic more recognized, I'm almost certain that if it was a mainstream thing, I'd be taking anthropological classes in the social, social differences between fairies over continents. I mean, that's... Culture exists in things other than human. It's not a human thing. Fucking crows and elephants have culture. So, small gods are, culturally speaking, gods of places that are typically not dictated by pantheon. Small gods are everywhere. They don't just exist in any one pantheon. You could even argue that saints are small gods. Folk Catholicism is a great example of this. There are a lot of little saints not recognized overall, or and large saints, like Santa Muerte, who are not part of the greater general mind, brain? Uh, I don't know, I haven't slept a whole lot. In the, the general, you know, collection of that faith. Um, and I think Santa Muerte is not a great example because she is kind of huge and has her own, like, smaller cult following. Once again, when I say cult, I don't mean, like, you know... Helter Skelter, I mean it in the academic sense of the term. Occults means just the group of people who worship. That's it. That's all that means. When I say cult, that's what I mean. I do not mean bunch of desert weirdos murdering people. That's that's a new term. I think it started being used negatively around the 1920s because of faith healers. I think I've got that right. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm fairly certain that's around the time the negative connotation showed up. Moving on. So, I think that Goatman is a small god. Why is this important? <coughs> Excuse me? Personally, I think it's important because we all kind of grew up in a Christian culture, for the most part, if you live in the southern United States like I do. If you're listening from Israel or India, hi, tell me how you do and how you found my podcast, that's really cool. But if you were living in a largely non-Christian state or from an Islamic state or a, um, a Hindu state, or uh, something like that, 
you're not going to have grown up in the same kind of culture, but it's, I think it's still important for you to acknowledge your small gods. Most of you do, though, because your culture is a lot older than Christianity and a lot less meandering. <laughs> um, so the culture in the South Southern United States, and I'm just going to stick with saying this is Southern United States because while I believe this is the case in the Northern and Western and Eastern parts of the country I live in, it may not be true. I can only accurately speak to the culture in the South and more specifically the culture in Texas to narrow it down. I've been over all over Texas. I know people from all over and for the most part, we're pretty similar as far as things that could be considered small gods go. I don't know if people who live in the same area as the Jersey Devil treat their cryptids the same way we do. So small gods get bulldozed. They're one of the first things to get bulldozed when a colonialist culture comes in over a place that is new to them. However, like the nature of small gods gets erased fairly quickly. However, the existence of small gods always, always, always persists. It doesn't really matter if you used to be Greek um, like a, if you used to be part of the Greco-Roman faith and converted to something else, you are probably still going to, based on personal experience, acknowledge that thing over that way that you thought was a genius loci and now you think is a demon or a fairy or what have you. The small gods never go away. You can't get rid of small gods. You can rename them, you can warp their nature, you can change what you think they are, but they never go away. Small gods are consistently persistent cross-culturally. Whether we name them demons or jinn or any number of things, crypt cryptids, they're still there. And it doesn't matter how you rename them. That is important personally, I think, because one fundamental way we as pagans, presuming most of you are pagans, can bring paganism to the forefront is Acknowledging when a small god is a small god. Goatman is a small god. From now on, I'm going to be saying this as if it is fact, because for the purposes of this episode, it is. It is a fact to me. Goatman is a small god. I don't know his name, and that is a huge issue with a lot of religious faiths. Small gods frequently are not named. They do not have a specific name, and that kind of means they're a lot harder to latch onto and find. But if the entirety of the culture around the small god changes their nature, that makes it harder for them to do whatever job they used to have. I consider Goatman to be a bridge god who used to be a river god. And I would like to submit, for the consideration of my audience, that feasibly, if you wanted to think about it this way, his origin myth, you could, you could consider those two other stories as part of his lore. In another time and place, here is what those stories would be. Once upon a time, some people chased an undeserving man to the river and mutilated his body. His body violated the sanctity of that river, and the old god woke up and saw that that was bad. He took the body of the poor man and tormented those aggressors and chased them off. That is what that story could be. Instead, it's some kind of weird, and then the black person turned into a hideous monster story, which has some really, really upsetting racial implications that I'm 
not super comfortable with. The idea that the ghost of a mutilated black man would become a horrific monster to torment people for generations is pretty fucking bleak, all things considered. And I don't know if that's part of why I'm so... Like, it's so important to me that Goatman is a small god and not a ghost. But it is very... It's probably a foundation of that, that there is something really, really gruesome and horrible about presuming that a human ghost of a minority is secretly some kind of horrific demonic monster. That might have nothing to do with it at all, but it's worth noting that is in my brain right now, and I just now thought of that. Like, that's not even... Oof! Oh boy! <laughs> that's a new and upsetting thought. Anyway, Goatman! Moving away from racial politics, Goatman! But that that's what the story would have been if we were not a Christian culture that discovered this small god that's feasibly what would have occurred. We would have maybe, you know, gotten a river cult. And what's interesting about small gods in the southern United States is we still worship them to a certain extent. Let me explain through a real weird analogy. Hands up if you know what Lupercalia is. I'm assuming no one has their hand up, even if you do. Gonna explain anyway, because I like to do that. I like to hear myself talk. So Lupercalia is slash was a Roman holiday. Um, the Romans had no fucking clue why they did it. I mean that. They did not understand or remember or comprehend why they did Lupercalia, why they did what they did. There were speculations, as with everything, but genuinely, the Romans didn't remember why they did it. Lupercalia involves killing a goat, having some young boys drink the blood of it, and have leather strips cut from the goat skin and then run around nude whipping ladies' ankles. That's it. That's, that's, that's one main part of Lupercalia. It's a ritual they did every single year, did not remember why, continued it for a very long time. It was a very, very important celebration. Maybe, possibly. Shrug! It may have been not at all important once upon a time. It's impossible to know because the people doing it didn't know, but they still did it. Now, why is this relevant to Goatman? There is a ritual in my town surrounding Goatman. On the new moon or the full moon, but mostly on Halloween, you go to the bridge, yell his name, knock three times, and run to summon the goat god! <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, it's a ritual. It's a magic ritual. And there's purpose there. And we have no way of knowing if that was somehow taken from some other ritual. Or if there ever was one. Or if anything. Why did we decide to start doing that? Who started that? We don't know why. But we do it anyway. And we are kind of, in my town, creating a cult, whether we know it or not, around this small god. Small gods attract cult worship. Or any other kind of thing. And a lot of fairy faith things, they're, they're, I mean, they still have cult worship. You still leave milk out for the fairies, even if you're a very good Catholic, because the fairies lit your face. And that's why small gods matter so much to me and matter so much to culture in general, to the overall well-being of religion and culture and people at large. If we as pagans could acknowledge small gods and rebuild that relationship between humans and the small gods, we might be able to repair some of the horrible, horrible spiritual wounds that many people have. 
And I think that's an incredible thing and a boon that we as pagans have in believing these things. And I don't mean convince your Christian friends that they need to be polytheists, that's mean and bad. I mean, you personally should seek out the small gods in your area. How do you do that? We're going to go metaphorical cryptid hunting. So, small gods can be anywhere, anything, anytime, but they tend to generate stories. The ones that want to, or at least do generally, interact with people are the ones you want to talk to. You don't want to try and wake up something that's asleep or has been put to sleep or killed because that could be a huge mess. I mean, you don't want to accidentally poke something that really genuinely hates human beings because that's how you end up with a horrible disease and die. Or, you know, ripped to shreds or missing in the woods. So don't just go wandering around hollering, hey, any small gods want to hang out? Follow your local lore. In my hometown, excuse me, mm, I have a bit of a cold. <laughs> In my hometown, there's a road called Demon's Road, or Bowden Road, you know, whichever. And though I haven't done this, I'm planning to when next I'm at home, I think that because a story has been attached to that road, it has probably attracted some kind of small god because there are rituals conducted that way. Small gods are everywhere. And if you start doing ritual near where one of them lives, they're probably going to attach themselves to that place. That's how it goes. That's, that's what gods do. It's kind of interesting that if, if you worship, they will come. It's not a super hard concept, but if you didn't know it, no hard feelings. I'm planning on going to Bowden Road and maybe doing a small ritual to, I don't know, appease it, say hi to it, and then just go home. I'm not going to take part in the general ritual because my job is not that of a worshipper, my job is that of a witch. And I think that does fundamentally change how I interact with small gods. How might that be? So, this isn't true of all witches, this is mostly true of me. I am a traditional witch, which I think I've explained means I'm more of a blood, bone, urine, iron sort of person. And my job, metaphysically speaking, is typically a job of custodianship or like a I'm more like a diplomat than I am like a worshiper. I know I worship Dionysus, but that was a long-standing relationship established when I was about three or four years old. Like he and I have been uh, fairly tight privately and now publicly since I was very, very small. Uh, and I've got that whole thing with Nick Nevin, but that's not really a worship situation either. She's more like a weird boss, I guess. Like a contract where it's complicated, but my job with small gods is more to foster a relationship and see how that relationship can be further worked with. I am a go-between between the other world and this world, and I kind of exist to make sure humans don't fuck up massively. Goatman is incredibly tired. The biggest, most powerful feeling I've ever gotten from him is exhaustion. He is huge, he is very, very old, and he is very, very tired. I am going to try to make contact with our local native tribe to see if they have any kind of ritual or lore I can look at for this. I'm not planning on co-opting Native American rituals. I am extremely white. But... As far as research goes, that's not a bad idea either. See if your local tribe, your First Nations people, whichever way they, their, their nation, your nation, your tribe, your group, whichever way they identify, see if they have lore you can look at. Do not take their gods from them. That's a dick move. 
But maybe that would give you an idea of what offerings to bring. I know Goatman's are real big, really, really fond of tobacco products. And I don't think that means he's necessarily related to our local tribal council. But I have noticed that he's not super fond of milk or honey. This is that cultural thing coming up again. A lot of our local spirits here, too, prefer corn and native plants and things that might have been offered to them in a more regular way. The fairies here still really like milk and honey, but that may be because fairies do what they want and go where they want and don't really interact with the local culture too much outside of Europe. But see what you can find and use critical thinking skills. And if you're not sure if you're allowed to use what you found, ask. There's no shame in asking Hey, is as I'm uh, and uh, just like here's your format for the question. So I'm trying to work with a local spirit. Is there anything in your culture or tradition that I would be open to use that wouldn't be stealing or inappropriate? And if the answer is no, say thank you. Ask for books so you can learn more about that culture, and then go home. And don't just ask any random native person. See if there's a cultural center near you or books written by members of that tribe. Be, be very, very conscientious. I am not advocating for racism or cultural co-opting between you and them. Ask polite questions. Apologize gently if you fuck up and move on from there. You live in somebody else's, you live on someone else's land you live in a place that was steeped in somebody else's culture, unless you are a native person listening, in which case, if I'm giving bad advice, tell me and I will immediately correct. I won't even make, I won't even wait till next episode. I will make a corrections episode if you need me to. Happily, happily do that because, again, I'm extremely white. I am not going to be living in the US my entire life, in part because I don't feel super comfortable doing the custodial thing in the Americas because it's not my magical tradition and it's not my place to step in there. It's a problem. And hey, maybe while you're looking at small gods, you can inform some of your more, some of your less culturally aware uh, pagan friends of practices they're doing that are culturally harmful and maybe go to some heritage days. This has turned into a very different episode. Don't be horrible to Native Americans. Find out whose land you're living on and be respectful. Ha <laughs> That's it. Everyone should know these things. Do you know what land you're living on? Find out. It's important. Anyway, back to small gods. That was a... That rant is partially because I'm in a class on cultural sensitivity towards Native people. And... Oh, yeah, I've been reading a lot of horrible things. So spreading that word right there. Oof. So small gods and goat man. Why is this important? I think I've gone over that a good deal so far. But I've definitely encouraged you young pagans and witches to see who is in your backyard, quite literally. Look for your local cryptids, trace their origins, and see who they are. Sometimes find that out by asking. And be sensitive to the cultural world around you beyond picking up things in nature, beyond learning your local flora and fauna. Find out what spirits are living around you and... I'll see why they're angry if they are. Because a lot of cryptid stories involve things attacking people, and sometimes for good reason. I mean, if a bunch of stupid-ass teenagers came to my house, banged on a bridge, and fucking spray-painted swastikas on it, yeah, I'd show up and scream at them real good, too. <laughs> don't don't spray-paint on things. 
And don't leave things that aren't biodegradable as offerings. Just don't do it. There's a few traditions where there's an exception, but I know for a fact most of you don't belong to those. So don't. Don't leave plastic. Don't leave glass. Try and do flowers that don't have any kind of seeds on them so you don't introduce anything invasive. Like, be very careful and very aware. The world still exists outside of your religious praxis. That's the summation here. The world exists outside of your religious praxis. Be respectful and mindful, and maybe say hi to your local small god and bring him some rum. Mine likes absinthe. I, I no idea why he likes absinthe. But yeah, that's that's about that for now. I'm gonna go find a book I read recently on this subject and give you a quick review. BRB, my friends. BRB. Yeah, sure. That happened. Uh, so it's probably about three months later, right around. No, no, I'm exaggerating. It's like a month later. What am I saying? Um, it's the first week of the next semester of school. I'm comfortable saying the reason that my uh, general life situation sucked so bad is because my fucking brother died, which was great. Let me turn the mic volume down a little bit because I'm real loud. There we go. That's better. Nope, that's not that much. That's better. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, my, my brother died uh, last um, at the beginning of last November, which was very depressing. Um, school went well, I got the grades I needed, um, and I have the book I was going to talk about. So, um, this book, which was $98, uh, try to buy it if you can, but if you can't, I'm sure you could probably see who contributed to the book and email the people who wrote the articles in it. Uh, this is called Fairies, Demons, and Nature Spirits, Small Gods at the Margins of Christendom, edited by Michael Ostling. It's an incredibly good book. It's part of a broader series uh, called Palgrave Historical Studies in Witchcraft and Magic. And it is, generally speaking, just essays upon essays about small gods the world over. It's not just about European Christianity. Um, there are bits in here about the Middle East, about Africa, um, and several places in Europe, too. Um, there's bits of things about angels, about the she, about Jin. It's, it's an excellent book. Um, I know it's way past Christmas, but next year, if you want, or for like a birthday or something, and know someone who's willing to drop a lot of money on a very small but useful collection of essays, this is a great book for you. This book is extremely good. Also, since I'm officially back back, I'm going to attempt to go back to a monthly recording schedule. I'm not sure what day I'm going to drop my episodes, but I'm going to try and get 12 episodes out this year. This is episode number one of the new year, number eight in total. I found out there's a thing called the seven episode slump, so I, I hit that, then stopped recording for, oh god, it's been a while, I don't even remember when my last episode came out. But I'm here, I'm queer, I'm making podcasts, wahoo. And I know this one is super short, I don't think I'm even going to be able to bust a half hour, but... I'm I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I'm back. Please ask me questions. Talk to me. I want to make another episode for February. Um, I know the obvious thing to do would be something love-related and Valentine's Day-related, so it might even be on the dangers of love magic. And if you're going to do it, how to do it without being a rapist. <laughs> yeah, now that might be next next month's episode. But if you have ideas or questions that are unrelated to that, ask me anyway. I would love to talk to y'all, all like 20-some odd of you. I've also started putting my podcast up on SoundCloud and iTunes. So if you want to listen somewhere, sorry, on Spotify and iTunes. Eh, but so it's on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud now. So if you want to listen to it in 
a new place um, that's there too, and it's probably easier to keep track of me there anyway. Um, I have a Twitter I use actively now. Um, I believe I'm a Sleepy Witch, not the Sleepy Witch. Hang on, give me a sec. I actually own both, but the Sleepy Witch is my active Instagram, is my after Twitter handle. And my Instagram handle, if you want to go follow me there, just like see pictures of my face, is a Sleepy Witch. The Sleepy Witch on Twitter, a Sleepy Witch on Instagram, and the Horned Witch on Tumblr. So shoot me messages. Please feel free to DM me if you have anything to say. And I will see y'all sometime in February. Love ya. Bye-bye. Thank you to everyone for listening. The music at the beginning and ending of the podcast is here courtesy of www.purpleplanetmusic.com. Have a question, comment, or concern? Want to ask something for the podcast? Find something I got wrong? Shoot me an email at thehornwitch at gmail.com, message me on Tumblr at thehornwitch.tumblr.com, or follow me on Twitter at thesleepywitch. Like me enough to throw money at me? Do so at www.patreon.com slash thehornwitch. Thanks again for listening, y'all. Bye!